0: to be you
1: is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Didn't
0: heck find the just you is supportive.
1: I'm in love with could you. make me be true. Snap out of it! the could magnificence make me that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. Lip from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you, it had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod To Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Mish Mather, and I am excited, but a little sad, to announce that this is the finale of this unofficial 1960s Mini series that I forgot to introduce in the beginning and um, has now become uh, a really exciting mini series for the podcast. So, uh, but I'm ex- I'm really excited to welcome back uh, Erica Richards to the podcast for this episode. Hi, Erica.
0: Hi, I'm so excited to be here. It's been way too long. I'm excited to be back.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to have you back on this podcast, especially talking about uh, one of my favorite. Movies, and I think one of the all time classic movies of the 1960s, uh, Jacques Demis' The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Um And I believe that you not only have wa- are watching this movie for the first time, but you've literally just finished it. So I would love to get the like fresh out of the oven takes on the
0: sound okay i literally yeah i literally just <laughs> maybe like honestly 12 minutes before we started recording um i very much scheduled my day like around okay i have to get off work and i have to go to this store and i have to get this thing and then i have to make i have this much time to watch the movie so i have yeah. to watch it before we record um but i will confess i actually watched a little bit of it yesterday and then had and like i was like let me stop and then i'll finish it tomorrow sure um the end got me a little bit. Yeah. Um, the end, and honestly, I say that to say it kind of saved it for me. Not that I didn't like it because I did, but I went into it knowing it was a musical, love a musical, love a musical, but I was not pre- prepared for it to all be a musical. I thought there was going to be dialogue. And of course, right. I knew it was a French film, so I knew I, there would be subtitles, but I was really caught off guard when they <laughs> only were singing. I was like, oh, like there, there must be no dialogue here.
1: Right. Um,
0: and not to say again, not to say I didn't like it. It was just I, I don't think I was prepared for it. So it caught me off guard a little bit. And then I also think like in some ways. And that's why I ended up splitting it up because I, I think I was distracted by it. If that makes sense.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Um, and that's why yesterday when I started it and I didn't realize that I watched like the first like 30, 40 minutes. And then I was like, I need to, I need to pause this and finish it tomorrow. Cause I was just so caught off guard. Um, and I think we m- might have talked about this when you told me, this is what you wanted to talk about on the podcast that um, this was very much an influence and inspiration for La La Land. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. So it was also like, I just was thinking of all of these things that reminded me of La La Land or like parallels I saw. So I say all that to say, I enjoyed it in the end. Um, I thought it was beautifully done. Um, Love the set design. I I, I mean, the singing, singing was wonderful once I like prepared myself for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think about it. And of course, it has, of course, you know, really good reviews by a lot, and it's well received by a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what you think about it. Or well,
1: you know, your initial, you know, reaction to the film actually mirrors mine when I first saw it. I mean, I first saw yes. this movie, uh, I would say about. 10 years ago, it would happen to be playing at some art house theater mm-hmm. in a screening. So I went because I was a fan of Captain Deneuve, and I still am. Mm-hmm. My background is blurred, but I have a poster of her uh, <laughs> behind me uh, from Belle Du Jour, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, I should watch another movie of hers. And, you know, this movie was just a couple years before Belle de Jour, but, you know, the Poster, she looks so young and innocent. And in Belle she's very not. I and mean, she's young, but she's not that innocent. Um, and so I wanted to see it. And I kind of had this similar thing where I knew it was a musical. I knew it was in French, but I did not know that it was a song through a musical. And it, it does throw you off. Um because from the first scene, you know at the, at the gas station or at the auto mechanic shop, you're just like, oh wow, they're like literally singing like banal dialogue. And right. you know, um, with in the sort of the, in the wrong mindset that can really throw you off and that could really like make the movie a little more silly um, just because you're not expecting it. Um, and so I kind of had a similar reaction where I was like, oh, I like this. I understand it's a classic. I understand all that, whatever. But I don't know if it's like hitting the way that it should. And I think the ending is really, um, really, um, you know, really the the clincher for the movie for me. Um, And also similar to you, La La Land um, was another kind of big thing for me where I was like, um, you know, following the La La Land press tour and all the film film criticism around that movie. And having seen this movie come up a lot, I decided to just, um, I bought the Blu-ray, just kind of was like, oh, you know, I should just check it out again. And I think this was like before Criterion Channel, before HBO Max. So mm-hmm. it was either buy it or just like rent it. So let me just buy it, like whatever. It's on Criterion, right. whatever. Um, right. So I bought it and I just really like, it, it took me like a year or two to like watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even more than that. I just kind of had it on the shelf and then I watched right. it and I just like fell in love with it. And then when I watched it again, um a few weeks ago uh I was um I showed it my boyfriend actually, and uh we had a good time watching it. And I feel like it really I think gets better and better, and I'd be you know in some ways it's kind of unfair to make you podcast about it on your first watch because I feel like the more you watch it and I think also like the older you get it it kind of opens up more um right. so i you know would love to hear you know, if you watch the movie again in a couple of years, how you if you yeah. how you react to it. But yeah, I mean I think it's a really um yeah, it's it's a really I, I think a really special movie and I think one that um really highlights uh I think like what makes such a like I think what makes musical such a fun genre. Um because uh you know my my whole take on this movie is that like by making it at all singing it really highlights that like everything becomes so important because it's sung you know and sure. everything beca- all these like minute things become part of you know part of some like part of the the drama part of the tragedy of the film but um, do you have any like history with Jacques Demy or Catherine Dudo or anyone involved in the film like this is this your first Jacques Demy movie
0: I think so. Um, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head if it is or isn't. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I've seen anything else of his, but of course I've heard the name. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I, I want to backpedal just for a second to, yeah. to talk about what you were saying. Um, how I definitely, when I was watching it and watching the end, I was already thinking like, I need to watch this again. Yeah. And <laughs> the same with La La Land, right. Where, like, you're watching it, and you're like, ooh, this is going to hit different the second time I see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think it's funny, because first, I was when I was watching it, and it was all the singing, right, after I, like, got past that, just that, like, accepting that, right, I was like, you know, the thing I love about a musical, a standard, like, typical musical, right, is that it's like they're so overcome with these emotions of whatever's happening in the scene. They have to like burst into song and burst into dance. And yeah. that's, what I, that's what I love about a musical. And this was kind of more like an opera. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, everything was sung. So like everything was important, even though like, even the really unimportant moments, right. Like where it's like, like, for example, at the end, and I'm thinking about this cause it was what just happened, but like when he, the like gas, the guy, ga- the guy, the guy who's like pumping her gas is asking her like, what kind of gas she wants. And yeah. Like, it was like a. It's. It was not silly, but now that we're talking about it, it feels silly because it was like this is such a dramatic moment, and it's really not right. Right. Like, right. Fill her gas tank up. Um. But I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly where it's like, but they're trying to show you that everything in this is important. So everything has to be sung, right? Right. So first I think I was watching it like, this is like not, like it feels like nothing's important because it's all being sung, right? Mm -hmm. Like how am I supposed to know when the emotional moments are happening or it all just felt kind of, and and at first it all felt like the music was kind of the same. Like there wasn't any like, real tone to the music. It all felt kind of jazzy and the same. Right. right. Definitely in the second half, the music like changes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, again, all to say, like in the end, it all came together. I was like, okay, this worked. Where right. first I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to hate me. Cause like, I don't know if I like this or not. <laughs> and I was like, I can't go in here and talk about this like super famous classical like film and and be like, eh, it didn't really do anything for me. Because at the end, it all came around, right? And I really felt like the end, like, really kind of mirrored to La La Land too, where you're like, oh, these people, like, they're not going to be together. And in reality, it's okay. But you're like, oh, man, is it okay? Like, this is really sad, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, all I have to say, no, I don't think I've watched any of his other films or her other films, but of course, I know who they are, right? Um, but now that I now I kind of want to look because I don't think I have.
1: I feel like you would really enjoy Young Girls of Rochefort.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, you know which what? is like a much peppier musical. It's also common to know it's very like um it's uh it's definitely also a La, La Land uh inspiring movie. Not to center <laughs> this man's career around La La Land, but right, right. um it definitely has that like you know, it was definitely more inspired by like 1950s, you know, Hollywood musicals with like bright sets and bright costumes and choreography and like the songs do have the look more variants than the Umbrella of Sherberg does. So mm-hmm. I- I'd recommend that one. Um, uh, and it's also, I think, uh, uh, it's also a really, really wonderful movie that I think has a really great ending as well. But it's not. I I, I wouldn't call it like a sad movie like The of True is. Yeah. So yeah. that would be the one I, I'd recommend. Um, and uh, I, so I kind of went through this like Jacques Demy phase. Um, oh god, all the years are slipping by. I feel like it was <laughs> around like this time last year or earlier this year. Right. And I watched all the movies of his that were available on Criterion Collection, including you know, Babe um uh Babe Angels and Unshan Bon V and which I really I love that movie. That's like a heightened that's even more of a heightened melodrama with like it's like sung through and like every song are these like very dramatic, you know, moments. Every every scene is like its own dramatic song with all these like, you know, crescendos and, and peaks and valleys in the music and every it's all very heightened and right um really I, a really powerful movie
0: of course i've seen the 400 blows i don't know why i didn't even that didn't even come to okay, mind okay yeah well i, I feel like on.
1: did, did he i don't think he directed that did he?
0: No, it says he was um a writer
1: okay oh. right 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 um
0: so that cat that, that it cat. counts
1: it counts i mean it's definitely <laughs> like you know one of his yeah uh iconic movies
0: right um um, but no so I, I, just a quick search that was the only one that really like popped out to me
1: yeah Um. so you know this movie is quite well known but in case some listeners haven't um, seen it or, or know much about it I'll uh, we'll kind of give a brief little summary so the movie stars uh, Catherine Deneuve as Geneviève um, she is the daughter of the owner of a Umbrella Shop in Cherbourg, uh, which is a, a town in France, and she's in love with Guy, played by uh, Nino uh, castel Castel-Nuovo. Um And uh, they're in love in sort of a forbidden teen romance, uh, but he gets drafted into the Algerian War, um, <laughs> and Jean-Vierve discovers she's pregnant while he's away, and the film kind of tracks their... Uh, The film kind of goes through three parts, uh, the departure, the absence, and the return, which kind of tracks their relationship over about a decade or so, um, or maybe about six years or so. So not a, you know, long enough time, but not that long a time and just the ups and downs of their relationships and kind of where they, as we said, they, you know, they don't end up together at the end, Um,
0: but that's not
1: really, it's a spoiler alert, but also, you know, um i you know it's funny like we talked about you know like I, you, you know you mentioned earlier like oh because everything is song that kind of means nothing was important and actually kind of i feel like every time i watch this movie i kind of go back and forth on that and I, it's something that i really um value about the movie it's like this movie feels like all these events are important like to the characters you know like Guy and Viev, like, they're having this, like, you know, monumental love story. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, like, they're one of a thousand love stories like this. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, is this really as, like, you know, would they have even have stayed together if they weren't separated? And, like, did this romance have, like, an even more heightenedness to it because of the separation? Like, did did they put too much importance on it just because they had this, like they were separated by war. So it's kind of in, I don't know, I was kind of go back and forth on like how much I'm supposed to take this love story seriously. And right. like, I feel like as I get older, I, I watch movies like this or like Titanic or like, you know, other other movies where it's like, I'm supposed to believe this in this romance, but I'm like, maybe there's love stories and as like, maybe it's meant to be a little childish, a little immature, right. a little juvenile. Right. Um, I agree. And yeah. I find that, I mean, even La Lin, I think to some extent too.
0: Right. And I think that's, that's a big message of the story, right? It's a lot of, like you said, maybe these people's like first real loves and they're trying to show you that like, that doesn't always mean that's it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, all these, the, all the, the films you listed, these people don't really end up together and things work out and they end up being okay. Right. Just like they always do. Um, And I think this is something we talked about before with rear window. I can't remember if we did or not, um and this is always like just my little bit of grape with older um like romance films is that just all of a sudden these people are in love right like yeah. i want <laughs> i want a little bit of backstory like i yeah. want a little bit of like tell me how you got here right and i think that's something that you know is very much part of love stories today and i think also that might be why we, we're not really seeing much of a lot of like love stories on film today because people I don't know if it's like they just that's something that like is so expected now, right? Like they they people audiences can't just accept, like, okay, here's these two characters and they're so in love, right? Yeah. And we want that backstory. We're like, well, how did they get here? How did they meet? Like, was this a meet cute or was this a Tinder thing, or was this like yeah. a setup? Or like people want to know. So yeah. I think that's just why like audiences, and I think that's also why the genre is like not, I, I don't want to say romance films are dying, but definitely like the rom-com, right? Like,
1: right. You know, yeah.
0: bro, Bros is out and I'm so upset because I haven't got a chance to see it yet, but I'm, I'm going to, um, it was one that I like wanted to see as soon as it came out. And it's just like, every time I look at the show times, none of them work for like,
1: right. What yeah, I have how it goes. <laughs>
0: yeah. But I love that, you know, there's a modern day rom-com right now. Like of course, all the classics that we rely on, you know, you've got male and, and pretty woman and all those, like they're classics and they're the ones that we love for a reason, but to see a new love story in today's world um, that an audience can get behind, I think is a big deal. And that's the thing with this, of course, but I think that's also why the ones that you're talking about that are like a little bit younger and immature work because you're like, Oh yeah, she's 17. She thinks she's in love. Like, I get that. Right. Like I get that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think that was like, like you said, like a big part of this story. And I think that's why this story works, because then at the end, you see the people a little bit older, a little bit further in life, a little bit, you know, out of that stage they were in. Right. And a little bit more grown up and they're both accepting of being happy and where they're at in their life. They're not longing for that other person. Yeah. yeah. Even though she said, you know, she made the point to say, like, I took a detour but I wasn't expecting to see you, you know, like right. at the end when she says that you're like, Oh, like, okay. Was she looking for him? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe she just was like, Oh, I want to trip down memory lane. And I want to remember these, these times in these places, not necessarily like I want to find him cause I'm longing for him and I miss him.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I think what's really beautiful at the ending is that um, it's not, that it, the, I feel like the ending is really mature because like they do have this like I don't I don't say longing for each other but like they do have that like feeling of like okay we have something but yeah. it's not like either them are like overtly unhappy within their lives like right. I've I've read some interpretations that say like Jean Viev is unhappy just because she seems like she seems a little frosty I guess and like I think just because of like how her character is now like this like you know rich you know mother and stuff like I don't I don't know like she seems a little detached maybe but yeah um, I think that I don't really interpret it that way myself I feel like they both are just coming to terms with like the choices that they've made and Mm -hmm. you know one thing that I've you know uh, one thing that I've become like uh, more appreciative of is that like you know they Jean-Viev and Guy both get married for somewhat practical reasons. Like she gets married because she's pregnant, and this like rich guy can come and like support her and her mother, and and as they're going through this like financial situation. And Guy gets married to his wife because, well, she's kind of he's getting over Jean Viev and she's there and she's in love with him. And like and it's like it's kind of okay because like they kind of learn to you know, be, they kind of learn to accept their lives and accept their partners and, I mean, their spouses and in some ways learn to love them in their own way. Like, I think he seems really happy with his wife and I think Geneviève seems happy with her life somewhat as well. So, I mean, we don't get to see her with her husband, but I think she at least understands that, like, this was the best option for her at the time. Yeah. So... I think um, it
0: was, like, a very deliberate choice and especially when she said she like picked her daughter up from her mother-in-law, I was like, I, I, in that moment, I was like, am I reading into this too much? Like, is she not with that man anymore? Yeah, like,
1: yeah. I don't know.
0: I was thinking about it and then I was like, don't, don't, don't read into this too much. Right. Like, yeah. He knew that that was his child. Right. That was his I child. I think so. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause that, it was a little unclear to me because the way he asked about her but then she was like do you want to see her and he was like no and i was like "Ooh, that's harsh
1: like i feel like he didn't want to see her because he wanted to um like for him i think it would complicate things more if he saw her because he might be like oh like what if she looks just like him and he's like oh that's actually my child but now he can like I feel like he can go on in this reality where, you know, his his son is his child and that girl is this other guy's child, you know, and it's right. Otherwise, I don't he might feel some, I don't this is my conjecture, but I feel like he might feel some like father responsibility if he were to like get to know her.
0: Yeah, or, like, I thought, see her
1: and play with her. So
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing and then I thought he probably thought like this will break my heart more than
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, like yeah. And I agree. I think, like you said, there wasn't necessarily this longing for each other, but I agree with you that there was this like mutual, like, you know, acknowledgement of like what we had was real and we both had real feelings and we felt those feelings. And then, I think, like,
1: it. The, it, I think the longing or like nostalgia was like for that like rush of down love, you know, which they don't have with their current spouses, but. You know, I obviously it's such a cliche to say, but like sometimes that spark, like it dies out. But like mm-hmm. having like a more like practical, you know, relationship is much more sustainable. I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but it's true. and Like something right. I'm experiencing now where it's like, oh, well, we never had that moment where like we're seeing each other all day, every day. But like now it's like if we had that, like, I mean, I have friends who had relationships like that and they always fizzle out. Right. And, um, so it's kind of like, but you do feel that like some kind of like longing for that, like really like childish kind of thing of like, I just need to be obsessed, obsessive over you, you know?
0: Right. And you know, what's funny is of course I'm gonna like, I have to make this friends reference now. Yeah. Are you a friend? Are you a friends fan? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So do you remember the episode when Phoebe starts dating? um, Oh, shoot. What's his name? Um, The guy who's the cop and she ends up not. Yeah. Yeah. What's his uh,
1: name? Yeah. In real life, it's uh, Michael Ravaport.
0: Yes. Thank you. Michael Ravaport. And she starts dating him and they're super hot and heavy. And this is the time when like Monica and Chandler are really comfortable in their relationship. Yeah, Yeah. They're at that next stage. Right. And like Monica has such an issue with it because she's like. Oh, we used to be hot and heavy. And like, you know, and then Chandler's, I think, I I, I can't remember exactly if it was Chandler or Monica who actually says it, but they're like, yeah, but have you ever been to this stage of a relationship where you're both comfortable and you're very much in love? And like, it, it is, it's that thing where it's like, oh, like it is for some people, maybe not, maybe not everyone, but. It's nicer to be in that like comfortable stage and and not have to second guess if someone's going to be there or if you're going to be together or, you know, whatever it is. As exciting as the butterflies are in that first stage and that honeymoon stage, at some point, like you get to a place where you want that like security and that, you know, safety feeling. And it doesn't mean that the love isn't there, isn't as strong. It just means it's a different type of love. And you know, and I love that, that scene. Cause it's so true. It's like, Monica's like, you know, she's so competitive and competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have, to, we have to prove that we're so in love and we're so sexy and we're all these things. And then it's like, okay, but we don't need to be those things anymore. Right. Like I kind of think of it in the way that like, you know, you grow up the same way, like you're younger and you're going out all the time and you're drinking and you're partying and you're staying out. And then when you get older, you're like, just want to like be at home in my sweatpants yeah yeah (laughs) and like comfortable and like watching a movie it's the same kind of thing right like grow into it and I think there's really something to be said for that
1: yeah yeah and it's funny because like I mean yeah as we like Phoebe and and Gary like their relationship ends because like they move in way too fast and he like shoots a pigeon randomly and I'm like hey if you had like stayed with if you had like let this grow organically you might have found that out before you like right. changed your living address <laughs> right. I mean yeah. granted moving is always easy in a sitcom but right still, it's, I mean yeah. I hate packing so anytime people characters move in sitcoms I get right. stressed
0: right um, well, and, and if you even remember she like was hesitant about it in the first place yeah it, yeah exactly she was, she was hesitant about it and then it was yeah. because it was like, oh, Chandler, like, you can talk him out of it. And then Chandler was like, you gotta, you gotta go with this guy. Cause he just was like, oh, I'm
1: so in love and I'm so in mean, this. She and, had that like stability with Monica. I mean, right. the Monica and Chandler relationship is like one of my favorite TV relationships. Yes. Cause I feel like they complement each other and swell in so many ways. And like yeah. the way that like Monica, like, you know, someone who's very competitive and very, um, like, my way or the highway, like, she actually really, like, concedes to him and he, like, concedes to her even though he's, loving, like, very sarcastic and very, like, self-absorbed. I mean, it's such a really, I think, a really healthy relationship. Even, yeah. they have their ups and downs but, like, I think they're really um, I think they're really strong and I feel like a really great example of kind of, like, what, I mean, amazing to connect Umbrella and Shortberg with friends but, like, you know, that's <laughs> I, I mean, I listen, I, if there's a way right in the-
0: if there's a way to make a friends connection, I will do it. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. No. I think I think that's the thing too, right? Where like when Monica and Chandler get together, you never guess if they're not going to end up together. Where yeah. you know the, the entire series, the Ross and Rachel thing, it's like, are they going to be together? Or are they not? And up until like the last minute, literally, literally. <laughs> literally until the very end. And again, two different relationships, and it's. You know, it's that thing where it's like, to, if you ask me again, I'm a, a romantic. I'm like, of course, Rachel and Ross are like, they're, they should be together. They should end up together, all the things. Yeah. Right? But in reality, it's like, they had a really rough going of it. And then you look at Monica and Chandler and I never guessed, like, I never yeah. quest- questioned if they would end up together. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: Um, I, I think that, like, one thing that I really appreciate about the Umbrellas of Shoreboard, just to bring it back, is that... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that these, you know, like the period when Guy is out to war and, you know, jean Viev is kind of waiting for him and she's pregnant and, you know, she has, um, you know, her, her mother is pressuring her, or not pressuring her, but like her mom is like, hey, we need to actually think about the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she has this proposal and, and everything. And I think it's, um, you know, she has this line that I really love, which she's like, I, I'm going to just paraphrase, she was like, I thought I was, I said I would die without Gi, but, like, why am I still alive? Mm -hmm. You know, like, she, and um, it's such a, like, um, it's such a, like, I feel like when I saw this movie for the first time all those years ago, I felt like I had, like, I just, like, heard a new concept in a movie that I had never, like, considered, you know, because, Mm -hmm. oh, I'll die for you is something that, like, you hear so many times in movies and songs and, books and everything but you never actually think about like what that actually means and how like no one actually I mean not no one but like no one actually like dies like from, a heartbreak of, you know like I know people say that it does but like you know it's always like a, a like apocryphal thing right mm-hmm. so um, and this idea of like you know she's having this absence that she's like suffering through but you know day goes in day goes out you know it's like she survives and you know, Guy is silent for a while and she's figuring that out and then he comes back and then she's kind of silent from him and she's married and he's kind of like, oh, okay now life just has to move on so it's just like I mean, I love how this movie is just about, like, moving on. It's really a theme that I hadn't really picked up until, like, I saw it, like, in my 30s. Yeah. And
0: you're like, oh,
1: wow. Yeah,
0: I felt the same way. I felt like it really was about moving on. But you know what I thought was interesting? And I'm interested to see what I think on the second watch. I really felt like once it got to that next part, it was like we didn't see her at all. Like, he just disappeared. We never saw her and her husband again. We never knew what happened with the baby. It was about Gee and his, like his story and him coming back and like finding out his aunt had died and and finding um, Madeline, right? Madeline, yeah. Madeline was there and like the story really went with him. It didn't really like circle back to her until the very very end, that last scene, right? And I thought that was interesting. I was like whoa, we just, like, she's been our protagonist this whole way, right? And now we don't even know where she is or what happened with the baby. I was like, what happened with the baby? Like, what happened yeah. with them, you know? Yeah. Um, did you think that was
1: weird at all? I mean, to me this felt like, you know, we saw her live through his absence and then we're switching to now follow him through her absence and how right. he deals with that and, like, you know her um because like I agree I, it, it's it's always very you know jarring to me when I watch the movie of how little Catherine Deneuve is in it in the second half just because oh. like on the like Criterion cover it's like only her picture <laughs> you know um right. so like um it's uh you know I forget that like you you don't really follow her for the whole movie you just follow her for like the first half and right. I think it's sort of this idea of like you know she makes this decision to marry uh roland and um he has to deal with the repercussions and we have to like follow him you know kind of just in the same way that she had to figure out a way to move on i think he has to figure out a way to move on too um it kind of i mean this is the second time that marriage story has come up on this podcast but it kind of reminds me of marriage story in the sense mm-hmm. of You know, like, Marriage Story, like, Scarlett Johansson's character, Nicole, like, she kind of has her arc in the first, you know, half of the movie or the first, maybe even the first, like, half hour of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then, like, we just have to follow, follow Adam Driver's character, Charlie, just kind of go and figure out his own place in her narrative and what that means that she kind of has her arc that's a little more... You know I think I think is a much more extreme case where it seems like she has her whole character arc before the movie starts. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, so I, I think it's it's similar where it's like uh Jean Viev just kind of goes through her entire character arc and she has to make this decision, she makes it, and then he needs to figure out how to make his own decision after that.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I agree.
1: Um I, I do want to switch gears a little, uh, just mm-hmm. talk about her mother, um, yeah. Madame, because I, she's a favorite character played by Anne uh, Vernon, um, and I would love to hear kind of your, you, did you like Madame Emery, or did you find her grating? Because she's my, I think she's a really fascinating character.
0: Yeah, fascinating is a good word. At first, I didn't like her. Um, <laughs> And I don't really even know why, right? Like, it wasn't like I had this, like, real reason to, right? I kind of just, I think, was siding with, with you know, our protagonist and like, oh, just like, let her be in love. And why are you so against her, like, you know, going to see this boy? Like, he doesn't seem so bad, you know, like... I just kind of was like, oh, she's kind of just, you know, the stale, like, you know. But then I didn't, like, I didn't keep disliking her. Like, I kind of grew to, you know, appreciate her, I guess. Yeah. Um, Is a good way to say it. Um, But yeah, at first I was just like, oh, she's not very nice and she's no fun. But I didn't say feeling that way. If that yeah,
1: yeah. Sense. I think for me, it's similar. Where I think in the first few, you know, scenes of the first, you know, act of the movie, she's like very disapproving mother. But I think her like her eccentricities, I think come forward a little bit more. I think the way she's so thirsty after Roland is <laughs> is great. Um, that that's something my my boyfriend pointed out a lot. <laughs> she yeah. was like I think she wants to like have sex with this guy and she's yes. like using her daughter um but I the I think same also, thing I thought the yeah. same thing I mean the thing is like it's probably true and um but I also feel like you know she kind of has a point where she's like our shop has no money you're pregnant your, you know boyfriend not even a husband yet like he's off in war he could die any minute and like you know, I doubt he did any paperwork to have any money go to her while he's away. So, like, right. he has his own dependent and he's on. So, like, really, like, you are kind of, like, you have few options. And Roland is an option that could actually be really beneficial for you. And to me, it's, um, I feel like she comes across warmer the more I watch the movie. Yeah. She comes across more, like you know, she really does, she's not being disapproving just for the sake of being, like, controlling. I felt like she's, like, actually being, like, no, but you're, you're in a situation, you're in a very precarious situation. <laughs> like, yeah. like, actually think about what's going on in your life, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a great um, point. I think that's what made me like her, is that yeah. she was like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? You're in this situation. And she didn't, like, shun her or, like, you know, throw her out or say, like, you're not, a-. like, she wanted to figure out a way to make this life work for her daughter which yeah I-
1: and do you feel that if Genevieve had been like I don't want to marry this guy I want to wait for Guy like I felt like her reaction would have been like you know what I might not agree but I'm still here for you and like would support her because I felt like even before Roland came in the picture and she finds out like I felt like her reaction to pregnancy as we're saying is like very like loving and like, oh, I'm excited. There's going to be a baby, even if we can't actually afford it.
0: Yeah. And, and I have to point out, since we're talking about this, the part I love the most, or she's like, how did this happen or whatever? And she's like, she said, I guess (laughs) what was it? It was like the regular way, I suppose, (laughs) the, the natural way, I suppose, or whatever. And like, that made me laugh. And then like genuinely laugh. And then her mom then she said something like like don't be silly at this time or whatever yeah
1: yeah i mean they have a really cute relationship yeah. and i think that like you know for a movie or movie or like could the um you know like weeping waiting girlfriend like it's nice to see that she still has her you know sense of humor and that like she and her mom can still have this like friendly relationship even in this situation where like a very high stress you know um, high stress situation, but yeah, yeah. I I, I really I'm starting to love Madame Emery, I, and I think she's. Um, it's again, it's too bad that like the way the film structure that we don't really get to see her because, um, cause it, it's also kind of nice that like she gets to like go live with her daughter, I guess, and that, yeah. that like, they continue their relationship even as she's a, um, her own daughter as a mother and a wife.
0: Yeah, and I even at the end when she mentions that her mother had just passed, I, I had a moment. And this is how why I knew like, oh, okay, I did like this this character because when she said that her mother passed, I was like, oh, that's sad. Like, you know, <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, that's a, such a bummer. And yeah. um, and I also had that moment too where I was like, oh, well, they must have stayed close. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then I was happy about that, which you know. So I don't know, but I, you know, it's funny for you to bring that up because I thought about it too. I'm like, why isn't she having this like when you know she's setting her up to marry this this man that she, you know, barely knew or whatever. I was like, why isn't she having this like emotional outburst the same way she had this emotional outburst about being in love of like, I don't want to marry him. He's not, he's not the right man for me and I'm not yeah. with him. And this is where I think I was again expecting more of like if you will musical reactions right right right. where it was just like it it, again it felt like everyone kind of just like went along with it and the melody went along with it and the music went along with it i was just like is she gonna show any type of like rebellion here i don't know this would have been like in a standard typical american musical this would have been like the like really like harsh dark sassy like song about rebellion you know what i mean and again not that not that I was maybe I was a little disappointed that wasn't happening, but I was like, Oh, that's not this story. Right. Like I, again, I was accepting of the story, but I was like, this is so different, which I appreciate.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know. I totally you though, because like, I definitely, I, I, I definitely can like agree with what you're saying. Cause I feel like Jean Viev. It's just not her character to be like rebellious in that way. And I right. think that, to me, it's it. Yes. Part of me reads it as like maybe she's just a little like passive. Mm-hmm. Then also, I'm wondering if maybe she's more self aware than we might give her credit for. For someone who's like so naively in love, and you know, I think maybe this. To me, I'm wondering if maybe like because she has even for as young as she is, she is living through a very difficult time, and maybe she's kind of growing up a little bit faster than i you know I initially would give her credit for because she's realizing that you know um maybe the marrying Roland is her only option I mean it's still the fifties she's pregnant, she's single she's alone, she has no money, and so maybe it's like she doesn't want to marry him or she's not right. going to be thrilled about it, but she also isn't going to. You know, throw, um you know, become really re- rebellious and throw some kind of like tantrum about it and have this right. outburst. And I agree with you. I think it's just like it's un- it's un- it's uncomfortable for us to watch because I think we're used to you know American movies where something like this would be, or even like maybe like British movies too, or just like non French. I think it's just, like the Frenchness of it all, <laughs> maybe. <it's>, like, <laughs> I feel like in in a Hollywood movie it would be a much more of a thing, and yeah. um, I feel like Jacques Demy is just having it be more understated and a little bit more world weary.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. It wasn't it wasn't Hollywood esque at all. Yeah, um, but again, and again, not that it makes it wrong. I think I was just I'm so conditioned to expect exactly, exactly, and I, yeah. I think
1: like you know. <laughs> Um, I feel like this movie is so, like, it's so interesting because it is so inspired by 1950s musicals Mm -hmm. in Hollywood, and it's so inspired by that, like, Technicolor, you know, Gene Kelly kind of look, but then it places that in this very, like, banal story where you know, something tragic happens or something stressful happens and people just accept it and move on mm-hmm. and um, and just figure out a way to deal with it versus... And, like, what you were saying about the score, like, I definitely agree with you that, like, the score feels the same, mm-hmm. but I also think it's because, like, we're not having, like, musical numbers per se. Like, I I Will Wait For You, I think, is, like, the song that became, like, the theme from this movie and, like, that's, mm-hmm. like, the one, like, separated song, um. Like, if you go on the Wikipedia page for that song, you'll see, like, a lot of artists have covered it, it's become, like, a standard for its time. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, like, this song doesn't really have, like... This movie doesn't really have, like, songs, which is also interesting. because right. I'm thinking, like... Again, like, a com- and compared to a Hollywood musical or, like, a Bollywood musical or, like, a stage musical, it's, like, you expect songs and, like, something for you to, like, hum after and stuff. Right. And, like... Again, like, this movie doesn't have that, and it is it's it is jarring. It's a little, like, oh, wow, this is, like, not what I'm expecting. Because, like, well, again, I kind of had that same feeling when I first saw it of, like, okay, yeah, this is just, like, dialogue. Just, right, like,
0: right. Songs. Well, it was funny, too, because this, like, exactly like what you're saying, the typical musical, the songs kind of follow the timeline of the story, too, right? Yeah. Like, there's going to be certain type of feeling songs at certain points to hit those plot points, right? And I had to laugh because to me, the most emotional song, if you will, performance, if you will, is when he's deciding to quit his job at the um, at the shop. Yeah. Uh, Like when he gets accused of um like not doing the oil change correctly or whatever and uh, ruining a man's engine on his new car and I was like this is the most emotion any of these people
1: have to (laughs) I was like
0: what is this and like I had to kind of just giggle and then I was like okay again this is very French I don't know like I I, you know um but I I had to laugh to myself because I was like I feel like this is the most emotional scene we've seen like yeah and, you know emotional in just like showing of emotion right like they were both very clearly angry and upset yeah yeah and mad but I-, I was like this didn't that seemed to be the most emotional scene i don't know
1: i really wish that like i i or someone could have like interviewed jacques Demi about that because i definitely had that same thought of like <laughs> this scene which is like sewing so like inconsequential or whatever like this is, like, the most, like, theatrical or, like, one of the most theatrical moments in the film, and, like...
0: Theatrical is the perfect way to put it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and the the scenes where people are, like, having these, like, major life decisions being made, they're Mm. very understated, and, like, there's got to be some kind of, like, commentary, I guess, or, like, because, you know, Jacques Demy, like, he's a part of the French New Wave, like, he has his film history up to that point, so, like, I wonder if he was, like, playing with, like, Hollywood standards, or... Or what? Because like um, I just I'm just curious. Like it's it's something that I find so fascinating about him as a filmmaker, especially in movies like Babe, Angels, and Lola. With Lola, which is a prequel to Brother Sharp Work, um, hmm. and um, you know on on Sh- on Shaman V like. You know, like he's playing with so much conventions that in Hollywood, and it's like, I just love to just like pick his brain about it because, like,
0: yeah,
1: he's like, he became one of my favorite directors like throughout that time where I like watched a lot of his movies just because, mm-hmm. like, um, his movies just have this like unique rhythm. Like, um, another movie I think you would really like is Donkey Skin, which is kind mm-hmm. of like a fantasy musical with Catherine Deneuve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like very much like in, like, medieval times, I think, mm-hmm. or, like, very, like, ye old renaissance fairy tale type. Mm. Um, so, very funny, too, and, like, there's a part with, like, Catherine Deneuve running around in a donkey costume, and you're just, <laughs> like, only Jacques <laughs> Demy could really think to put her in that, because <laughs> I feel like we always consider her as this, like, porcelain beauty, you right. know? Right, Um, But I think he's just such a fascinating filmmaker, and I think he has such a, like, rhythm and vibe and aesthetic, and I think, um, you know, as someone who is really loves Hollywood musicals, it seems like for him, I, I, it's really cool to see him play with a lot of these, you know, standards and conventions.
0: Yeah, I also really loved... I'll definitely add um, his stuff that you're mentioning to my list. Um, and I really loved a lot of the camera work in this. Um, it, there really wasn't any dancing, which I also you know you you come really like to expect in a musical yeah and I thought that was interesting because they weren't doing these like pullbacks of these like you know wide shots to show you know thinking of like something like Gene Kelly singing in the rain where you're just like you're seeing the whole picture right there was a lot more of like traditional kind of camera work if you will and um I loved the one scene where they're it was, i'm trying to remember what part this was maybe it was right after he tells her like i'm gonna have to go away or whatever and they're they're coming down the street but they're like kind of gliding they're not like he's pushing his bike beside him do you know what i'm talking about He's has mm-hmm. got a yeah, yeah. and they're just like kind of gliding and i was like oh this is like not a thing that was done yet. I felt like. Yeah, I like yeah, he did it really well. And there was like a couple other moments of, of camera work and, and shot composition that I was like, Oh, I really love this. And like that didn't feel typical to a musical. Um, so I appreciate that. And I really, I really liked a lot of the camera work. And um, again, like there was like no dancing. Am I right? Like I, there was not right, right.
1: dancing. Yeah, and I, th- I think what's interesting is, like, this movie's called The Umbrellas of Sherborne, and with a title like that, like, it's just a very musical title, and yes. I think even, like, the beginning, there's, like, it feels like there's going to be, like, I feel like this the opening credits feels very, like, okay, this might be, like, a dance musical, you know? And, like, I'm expecting numbers with, like, you know, umbrellas opening and closing and <laughs> twirling, you know? And it feels like the, it's almost like a, like a joke to the audience because like the umbrella's hardly really figure into the plot like i mean the store is is you know one of the main settings of course but like once again once john vieve gets married and you know Guy comes back and the store is sold and being remodeled and stuff and It's kind of like, oh, wow, something that I was expecting, I didn't get. And the title is almost kind of like a a little bit of a poking fun at the audience for expecting something very much like singing in the rain or something, you know?
0: I 100% agree. uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I 100% agree. And also the set design, right? Like, It was so colorful and cute and all these designs and patterns and pastels and bright colors. And I was just like, oh, this is such such a setting for a musical right like and and i think that was also
1: kind of poking at the audience like haha
0: look at this like really fun set design but we're not going to use it the way we you think we are
1: yeah exactly exactly um it's, it's just like very it's very cool yeah. um and uh a couple other things like i love um i love the part when G is just kind of like depressed going to bars and like seeing prostitutes <laughs> it's just like very like <laughs> again it's something you don't really expect to see in like a hollywood musical you know at least so yeah. explicitly
0: yeah i um, forgot about i almost forgot about that part <laughs> and i love that
1: like it's just it's just so casual you know mm-hmm. there's no judgment no nothing he's just i mean i guess i don't you know i can't remember if, if she's explicitly a prostitute but that's kind of what our sex worker. Yeah. that's kind of my impression but it's like it's a fairy just like chill you know no judgment he's just like gotta you know He's lonely and he just needs a companionship and she seems like a nice lady and um I just like kind of love that part uh because again like we don't really see that often in musicals at yeah. least like musicals that, like aren't explicitly about that kind of you know life yeah
0: yeah I agree I I'm glad you brought that up because I almost completely forgot about that part yeah um yeah, it seemed a little out of place yeah. but it still somehow worked right <laughs> right like, right, right. yeah
1: Again, it's, like, there's something just
0: so... Is it it also poking fun at the audience because musicals are so, like, fantasized and not about real life, and this is one of those musicals that is, like, well, this is what really probably this guy would
1: have done. Right, as, like, a war veteran who's out of a job and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think that, like, this... it's. (laughs) I think the reason why this movie has to be a musical is that, like and it's kind of sheds, I I feel like it, um, it's like, yeah, like satirizes or kind of like makes us think about sort of the conventions of a musical and like how, you know, like these everyday mundane normal situations become so like, you know, heightened. And um, we see that like all this stuff that we don't would normally see in a musical and it becomes yeah just so like theatrical in in a way. Yeah. Um any any thoughts on Roland and and Madeline as like the two you know consolation prizes I guess? Yeah. Um
0: again I don't really feel like we see Roland again. So it, it just seems like it's kind of just he served his purpose and we don't need to see him again. Madeline was interesting because I wasn't really sure of their dynamic at first. And then I really like obvious, I think the obvious scene is when of course his aunt dies yeah. and then he's like, you have to stay. And it, yeah, it was that moment where I'm like, is he just using her? Cause it's convenient or, but then I was like, no, I think he like genuinely wants her to stay. And yeah. I think it's, I read it as it's that thing where it's like, oh, you were kind of, not to say meant to be, but you were here all along. And right, I, never really, right. I never really realized you were here. And now that you're here in this moment where I'm really needing someone, you've kind of always been here. And I think he realizes that. So I I think I liked them ending up together. Yeah. Um, it worked for me. I was like. Satisfied and like happy with that. Um, it was interesting because the moment where what something happens, I'm trying to remember what happens, and it shows Madeline like a close up, it like kind of cuts to her, and you're like, oh, she knows that like they're not going to end up together. Like this is kind of like her shot. It kind of, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I definitely think that Madeline is a lot more aware. Then I think again. Then like she might be in another musical. You know, she might be kind of like that, like you know, doe-eyed, like longing for the guy and just like whatever. But like I think she's, I think she's someone aware that like you know, using her is kind of more harsh than I would say. But I think that like she was there, kind of at like the right, right place, right time. You know, yeah. and that like he needed someone to like help him get over Jean-Vivre and she was there and, you know, she likes him and, and they, he likes her enough that like it worked. And I think in the same way that Roland was there when Jean-Vivre needed her, needed him, yeah. you know, it's like, they're both kind of using Madeline and Roland, but like not in a way that feels manipulative, but just like, Hey, yeah. you happen to be a nice enough person that was there when I needed someone to like help me through this time. And yeah. again, like yes. Roland, I mean, I think he's interesting just to take it back to him because only because again, like you would expect some kind of outburst when he finds out that like Jean Viev is carrying another man's baby. But again, that, that's like very much like a soap opera plot turn, you mm-hmm. know, and something mm-hmm. that would maybe be a little like a more of a, you know confrontation scene, but he's just very much like he just accepts it and he's like, hey, this is the hand Matter that fact, my wife dealt yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's like, you know, there's just this, and I think even like Madeline is like accepting that, you know, this guy is kind of holding a candle for someone who's already married. And, but it's like, they accept it because like they're in love or they want to be with this person. And that's just kind of how it is. And they all seem to be happy with each other.
0: It almost kind of reminded me, and this might be a real stretch here, but I was thinking (laughs) about it. It almost kind of reminded me of like, cultures that have like arranged marriages yeah
1: yeah
0: um where it's like well this is just the way it is and everyone accepts it and this is our lives and this is how we live and how we move on and carry carry about and that's kind of what it felt like it felt it felt like you said not i don't want to say convenient but it just kind of felt like it was like oh this is this is what's going to happen
1: right yeah I mean definitely the arranged marriage thing is I mean coming from a culture that Mm -hmm. has a lot of arranged marriages even to this day a little bit different than traditionally but like still happening um there's like so many Indian movies about arranged marriages where the couples just kind of like learn to live with each other
0: and, and they end up happy, right? They end up and thought, happy.
1: There's, you know, yeah. they build their own love story, even yes. if they had other people in the, in the past. That they, and that's, that's
0: why I felt like. like in the end, when we see yeah. them with their person, is it this grand love affair that they might've had that we saw in the beginning of like, oh, I have to be with you and I don't care if I'm not allowed to and I'm so in love. And, but yeah. we see them at the end and it's like, like you said, they've made it work and they're not any less in love. Yeah. From, from what we know, right? They're happy, and whether the, whether they've just chosen this to be their life, it still seems like, it was a choice, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like what makes this movie so special to me is just it's about people who are just learning to accept the cards that they're dealt yeah. and the twists and turns of their lives. You know, they make choices that. Um, are the best for them at the time and it might not be the most romantic choice or the most you know the most the choice that they would fantasize about but it's the choice that they just have to make uh, in Mm -hmm. order to move on. Um, Any final thoughts or kind of scenes you want to bring up moments you wanted to give a shout out to your performances anything before we um, finish up here?
0: I will say I am excited to watch it again. I will watch it again. I'll say it's also a perfect like 90 minute film. (laughs) If you're looking for for that like 90 minute, you know, we're always, always looking for that one. Like it's too too late to start a two and a half hour film, but I can watch a 90 minute one. It's a good one for that. Um, I think if you like La La Land, definitely give this a watch because there's so many parallels. Like even- even like, um, her outfits, like those little dresses and cardigans and, and yeah. kind of like the way she like ran down the street in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is like so Emma Stone. Like how many times did Emma Stone have to watch this to like replicate <laughs> yeah. that, that action? Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I will say I'm excited to watch it again. I will watch it again at some point. Um, and uh I will definitely watch some of his other films that you mentioned too. Um, I thought this is really interesting. Take. I also love when genres play like with their like the expectation of the genre, right? Like this is very different. And even though it caught me off guard because I think, like you said, the title and like what I knew about it, I was expecting this like yeah, you know, normal, like regular musical. And it right. it, it shocks me in a good, and again, not to say in a bad way, but it shocked me in a good way where I like really had to challenge myself and look at it differently and pay attention differently. Um, especially, like I said, to the, just like the constant singing, I was just like, so like caught off guard by it. Uh, I was like, Oh, there's no dialogue. Like this is different. Um, and again, different isn't always bad. So I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I definitely look at his other films and um, yes. And this was one that had been on my list from a while ago when I heard like this was inspiration for La La Land. I was like, oh, I need to watch that. So I'm I'm glad that you invited me on. And this was the movie because it finally pushed me to watch it.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad to. Um, and I, I I do recommend you and anyone listening to look out for um, Jacques Demy's other films, especially Young Girls of Rochefort, which is very much, much more straightforward take on like old Hollywood musicals like they are dance numbers and they feel like dance numbers Um mm. And uh, you know, very much inspired by you know the Gene Kelly, Stanley Donan era. Um, also recommend Lola, which is a prequel featuring uh, Mark Michel as as Roland and his backstory. Not a musical, um, but very much a, a lovely film. You know, Babe Angels, Donkey Skin, like uh, Un Unchambon Vie which I'm probably not pronouncing properly, but <laughs> I think probably my, you know, very, very, very close second to The Umbrella of Um, I absolutely love that movie. Also about 90 minutes or so. Um, hmm. So check that. out. It's like about 20 years later. Um, so it's a bit more, a little bit older, a little bit more cynical, but quite a, quite an achievement, I think, um, in filmmaking. But yeah, I mean, I, I really do love this movie. and really glad to have you on the podcast about it. Um, Erica, please tell listeners where they can find you, what you're working on these days.
0: Yeah. So, um, of course, at EROC Reviews on Twitter, all my stuff's linked there. Um, right now, podcasting a lot for um, the Women in Session podcast. So, in, in session.com, um we're doing like a women's podcast. So, it's just all the, the female uh, women writers and critics on At the website um getting together to talk about all kinds of different things um we did a few hitchcock episodes yeah
1: i saw that
0: yeah and um we just recently talked about like 90s horror films i did my three favorite 90s horror films we we talked about it last night so it should be out later um this week when this when this comes out it'll be like two like a week or two ago um But, yeah, and then I'm also um, writing at Cinefied.com, and I actually just found out recently that I got um, press credentials to cover South by Southwest. So
1: Hey, congratulations.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to go in person and travel to Austin and and attend my first film festival in person. I've done a couple online ones, which were awesome, but I'm excited to, like, go in person and hopefully –
1: I'm sure it's a whole different experience Yeah. Well, that is amazing.
0: Yes, thank you. yeah yeah. so just podcasting a lot at in session or women in session when i can and writing when i can at cinefied um otherwise just trying to keep my head above water you know with like work and life and all the things but everything's good so again thank you so much for having me on i missed it had been so long i missed uh talking with you so i'm glad to be back and hopefully a lot more in the future too
1: yes for sure um please yeah please keep all of us informed of everything you're doing uh listeners if you love erica which you probably <laughs> should if not you can uh stop listening to this podcast but if you do love her uh go back and listen to our rear window episode from march of 2021 i think an absolute gem of an episode talking about our mutual fave guy hitch oh uh,
0: that was so, so fun Such
1: it a was good. great uh yeah. talking about rear window a, a classic movie about romance and marriage and yeah. uh, commitment <laughs> um, and uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is the finale to this 1960s miniseries. Uh, next, we're going to be doing a miniseries on kind of—I think what I'm calling "bad romance." Kind of a loose definition of what that means, but it'll be some unconventional films like. Um, that, some unconventional films that you might not consider uh, a topic for this podcast, but we're we're, going to break the norms a bit and and try something new and get a little experimental and weird here. Um, I think first up, I'm going to have uh, the Talk Film Society editor in chief talking about Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown, which is, I think, one of the most tender romances I've ever seen. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun to dig into into that movie, um, and of course, any chance to talk about you know Pam Greer, I will take. Um, so look out for that. Uh, it should be coming out in the next in the next two weeks, two or three weeks um, with with Marcel. So excited about that. Um, Erica, thanks again. Uh, listeners can find me at Vertigate314. Also, please follow the podcast at hiphop2bu and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to help you find the show. Uh, this uh, miniseries is a lot of fun talking about movies like Romeo and Juliet, Bob and Karen, Ted and Alice, and Down with Love way back in June. And um, so I hope you all had fun going through this decade. Um, but looking really excited about the next miniseries and uh, yeah I'm, I'm enjoying these miniseries we're, the, we're almost getting up to the 100th episode so I think we'll do some miniseries for every 10 episodes until we get there um, so uh, yeah well thanks for listening and have a great day yeah yeah
0: amor, mon amor.